Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. I want to dedicate this service to one of my heroes, and I would say probably around the late 60s, early 70s, a man and his wife and his family would be called to Ventura County, and he would truly become a pastor of this city, a shepherd of the hearts of the people. And Pastor Bill Gorell and his leaders and his church and his flock, they were the ones who built these buildings that are now called City Church California, 6360 Telephone Road, Ventura, California, 93003. And I, I want to say that... Uh, 11 years ago when we moved, and this Easter will be 11 years that we officially opened, Pastor Gorell was here, and he celebrated the opening of our church together. We were given a great, great gift that we were given these facilities with uh, no strings attached, no debt, and can I say today that gift really uh, protected us and helped us remain open open even during a global pandemic. And uh, about two weeks ago, Becky and I received a Christmas card. We get Christmas cards from all over the nation, even different nations of the world. And sometimes people have that generic sticker they put on uh, the return address, but this had actual penmanship. And when I looked at the card, I thought, okay, this is definitely not someone who is 60 or 50, totally not someone who's 20 or a millennial or a Z, because you guys type too much on an iPhone, a computer, and an iPad. This handwriting was like one of another time, uh, almost like an ancient, beautiful handwriting. And I opened it up, and it was from Pastor Bill Gorell. And he said, I want to thank you, Pastor Jude. Uh, you've become my friend. I want to thank you for your support. He's said, I am so proud of what is happening in the church in Ventura. And in it, he sent us a check. And I told Pecky, I said, hurry up. We've got to send Pastor Bill a check. There is no way he should be sending me a check. I should be sending him a check. And the church did for 11 years. And this week, Pastor Bill Gorell passed into eternity, and he is singing with the angels, his family, his friends, and the saints. Uh, he was well-lived, and his life made a difference in our city and in our community. And it is... Yeah. And it is said of his ministry that he in this church became the epicenter of a move of God, of a charismatic move of God, where the word and spirit were highlighted and Christ was magnified. And it is my prayer that this day we as a people pick up that baton and carry on that legacy. So Pastor Bill, we love you. I know God let you just hear this and we're just championing the cause of Christ. 
Christ, continuing the gospel, and we love you. Can you just give the Lord a shout and a hand clap with that? And so... Anyway, anyway, I, I wanted to honor him because what a life well lived. Now, if you have your Bibles, it is our culture that we bring our Bibles to church. Now, some of you just put it in the area, whether you're online, I, we won't be able to see what you're chatting. How many of you still use a traditional Bible? Okay, all four of you. And, and so uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And how many of you use uh, just a phone uh, with your Bible? Please begin to bring your Bible because it's something about it. You want to read the Bible for yourself. If you're young, I want to train you. I did this with my own sons. I did not allow them to come to church without a Bible. No, back then we didn't have a Bible app. And the reason why I didn't want them to come to church almost like a spectator at an NBA game or the Seahawks when they played the Rams games, uh, the Rams on Tuesday, I actually wanted them to be a participator. So that's what we do. And today we're going to continue our series on Tis the Season. And yes, it's about being festive. It's about being joyful. But for us, it's about seeing Jesus Christ and being changed. We looked at the life of Joseph and we saw that he witnessed and obeyed or he obeyed and then he witnessed. Then we saw the shepherds last week. They experienced and they witnessed. Today we're going to look at the magi or the wise men. And they bring a dimension to the Christmas story that really will change your life and my life forever. Now, I don't know about you. I've already had my day planner for 2022. And I'm such a freak about day planners. I ordered another one. It comes in today. And, and I will hold it. I'll look at it. And, and instead of having a bunch of New Year's resolutions, the older you get, when I was in my 20s, I had about 20 resolutions. In my 30s, I had 30 resolutions. In my 60s, I only have two for this year. <laughs> and so it's like, I really want him to become a reality. But more than a resolution, I saw something in the lives of the Magi or the wise men that I believe that as we begin to live the way they live, your life and my life will absolutely experience a supernatural dimension in God. So we're going to begin to look at the lives of the Magi in the gospel of Matthew. And I want you to see this. Today, we will learn that worship and sacrifice by looking at the story of these wise men. We're going to look at worship and sacrifice. You could chat that if you're online, worship and sacrifice. But I want you to really write this down. I want you to at least get it clear in your mind. Many people can sacrifice and not worship. People sacrifice all the time. And usually our sacrifice, and Mike was talking about that as he led us in generosity, him and Janet, during Bill together, or in 1997, they wanted everyone to give $97. And he gave the story of the widow with two mites. It's not equal amount. It is equal sacrifice. Now, please get this. People sacrifice all the time. In the amount, I want you to 
to really feel this, get this, think about this. The amount of our sacrifice is determined what we see. If we see something small or insignificant, we will never sacrifice for the small and the insignificant. We only sacrifice by the level of revelation that we have. And so we're going to look how they discovered, how they worshiped, and how they sacrificed. And get this, people sacrifice. They sacrifice for a startup company. I've seen people sacrifice for education. People, when they go for a master's degree or going to med school or an MBA or college itself, they make a sacrifice. I will tell you, Becky and I made a sacrifice, and I want to, I rarely do this, but I'm going to give a commercial to the best school in all of California, City Christian School. And Becky, yeah. And we need it now more than ever. And can I tell you, we made a sacrifice to put our children in Christian school. You can get this sacrifice and not worship. We sacrificed for our family. I sacrificed for my, for my university baccalaureate degree, but I didn't worship my degree and I don't worship my family. So we can sacrifice and not worship. But hear me, you and I will never worship without sacrificing. That the wise men, the magi, show us that, yeah, you can sacrifice and not worship, but you will never, ever worship without sacrificing. So I want to begin to look what was involved in their lifestyle or their cycle. And I want to give you three words. This is where we're going to camp out. We're going to read the gospel is they discovered, they worshiped, and they sacrificed. I want you to write that down. You may want to chat that, that they discovered, they worshiped, and they sacrificed. Okay, we're going to look at chapter two and we're going to read. So you're going to have to fasten your eardrums, 12 verses, verses one to 12. And let me give you a little bit in chapter one, they begin to give the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that he is connected not only to Abraham, but he is a direct descendant to Israel's greatest King David. Then chapter two begins and God is going away from the history of Israel to show you that Jesus Christ, his son, even from a secular standpoint, a Gentile standpoint, that Jesus Christ is a king. And I'm going to dispel a few myths because a lot of people, when they think of the wise men, we get it from the song, We Three Kings, from Orient Art, from Christmas cards, and from our little manger scene. Can I tell you some of it, very little of that is true. Much of it is given to holiday creativity. So today we're going to get into the reality of these men and begin to shape our mindset after theirs. Let's begin to read. This is Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, circle that word, a modern translation will say wise men, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, underlying the city Jerusalem and Bethlehem, Jesus is no longer in Bethlehem, so that's why they didn't go to a manger. We set up our manger for our grandkids and it has Jesus, Joseph, and baby Jesus and the wise men in the manger. That's not from the Bible. That's from Hallmark, okay? Okay. 
And so we're going to begin. It says here that the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, and I love this, where is the one who has been born, underline the phrase, king of the Jews? And it says, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, and when he had called together all the people's chief priests, this is Herod, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Just stop right there. So it's going to be a shepherd king. Then verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly or privately. The first meeting was public. The second is a private meeting and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. We only have three verses more. Hold on. If you're ADD, just reel it in a little bit. Okay, here it goes. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. Please get this part. I want you to get this part. Astonishing these words. It says, and the star, they, it says they had seen when it arose went ahead of them so this star they had seen it but then it starts moving and it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was verse 10 and when they saw the star they were overjoyed i think we should write that word down christmas should be anything i mean many things but one thing we should be overjoyed by that christ that has come into the world you go you don't know my year no you need to discover something higher than your year and you will worship you will sacrifice and you will be overjoyed okay on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary not a manger a house not a manger a house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped get that they bowed and they worshiped and they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts get these three gifts of gold of frankincense and myrrh verse 12 somebody's going a lot of reading. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I want to begin to look at the lifestyle, or what I would say the cycle of the Magi or these wise men. I want to begin to look at this first word, discover. I want you to write that down. In the Christmas narratives, basically in Matthew and in Luke, we begin to see that God, uh, he just, people uh, receive revelation by three ways, really. Number one, by an angel appearing. Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary. 
sharing. Joseph received his revelation by a dream. The shepherds received their revelation by angels. An angel appeared, then angels began to sing. But we also see that the wise men in a dream were warned to go another way home, another route. So God does speak through dreams. And let me just say this, the book of Job says, God speaks one way than another. If people do not listen during the day, he'll speak in a dream of the night. So he speaks in a dream. What is amazing in this story that they begin to discover. Now, I want you to write this down or think about it at best. For us online, you may want to chat this. When we say discover, in the Bible, discover means revelation. And you can discover who you are by taking a gift matrix test, by trial and error. But we do not discover. Discover Jesus by trial and error. Just try Jesus. No, try Pepsi or Coke, but you have to trust Jesus. And, and your level of trust comes to your level of revelation of who he is. And so what it happened, and I love this, if you go back to the text in verse 2, it says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Why? We saw his star. Did you get that? We saw not just a star, but his star. I want to give you a couple theories on what that was. Some people say in that year, about 2,000 years ago, that Jupiter and Saturn had a conjunction. They came together and made a mega supernova star that was bright. Now, many call the planet of Jupiter the king's planet. And they say that that happened, get this, in that year three times. And that it wasn't just in Jerusalem, but the entire region of the Middle East experienced that star. And that is one of the plot plausible theories. Now, I just want to stop and take a break. More, I don't think the Bible really, if it wanted us to know exactly what that messianic star was, it would have told us. I do think it's telling us during these times, and please hear me, we need this now more than ever, that we need guidance from God. And we do not need guidance from just an external force, but the internal Holy Spirit that lives and abides in our hearts. That many people seek guidance from the earth itself. One thing about a star, it's above. In Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Are you with me? And I don't know about you, as we're ending 2021, and I'm personally preparing as a, a believer in Christ, as a husband, as a dad, as a granddad, to prepare for for 2022. You mark my words. I don't want just human guidance. I desire divine guidance and I am seeking the God of all wisdom, of all knowledge, of all intelligence. Amen. Amen. And, and so, again, God speaks one way, then another. It could be a dream. I guess it could be a star. But can I tell you, I'm not looking at the stars for my future or a horoscope. There's something greater than the stars themselves, and that is the B-I-B-L-E. This is the book for me. It guides me. It directs me. It leads me. Can you say amen? 
And I really believe that. Now get this, there is another theory. And I kind of lean in this other theory. And everyone just chat out, discovered that the messianic star. And I want you to go this. Many, if we just read verse 2 and it says we saw his star, we can stop with the theory of Jupiter and Comet having such a conjunction. But this is really interesting. If you go back, go back to Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to get this. This is verse 9. I'm going to open my Bible. And I have a ribbon. Isn't a Bible ribbon an amazing? Have you ever wanted to go, I know some of you don't even know why this Bible ribbon is here. You think it's decorative. It is not. It helps you get someone somewhere quicker okay and so it's like right there we're in Matthew 2 go to verse 9 go to verse 9 I love this it says after they had heard the king they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them oh my goodness this is better than the pumpkin pie I'm going to eat on Christmas day can I say right now there's one that has gone ahead of you and I in 2022. Did you hear what I just said? There is one, and it is not just a planet, it is not a comet, it is not just a bright star, shining star. I am not determining my future by looking at the Milky Way or the horoscope. There is the star maker that dwells in our hearts. Come on. And they say what I'm getting ready, this second theory is because of this point right here. It couldn't have been just a natural star. So get this, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, many people, theologians and even uh, experts say this, that the messianic star was very similar to the cloud by day in the pillar of fire by night when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and that pillar would stop and when it stopped they stopped and when it moved they moved and they say they believe it was the very kabod the glory the brightness the shining of our God can I say we are living in the darkest time that humanity has ever known however Jesus is called the bright and morning star and he's not just stationary in the sky guess what he moves he goes ahead of us and when Jesus stops I want to stop. When Jesus moves, I want to move. Can you say amen? And you say, man, I wish I'd have saw that star. Can I tell you, it's better than any eclipse you've ever seen because that star now lives and reigns in your heart. I want to follow Jesus. Come on. Can you say amen? And so this is the next one. And, and again, I just want you to think discover. Just think on that word. And in the Bible, we mean revelation. Now, when we think just naturally, uh, a discover is to have an aha moment. Have you ever thought of this? Oh, I never thought of that. Or it just occurred to me. Can I tell you right now, God never has an aha moment. God never goes, oh, it just occurred to me. Because everything's occurred to God before it ever happened. That's who's living and leading and guiding and shining in the dark sky of our lives. Can you say amen? And so it literally, discover means is to discern, to bring to light, but I like this one, to spot. I'm not a good spotter. 
And let me just tell you, I'm not talking about lifting weights, you know, you know, give me two fingers, give me one more. I'm talking about, have you ever seen someone, they show you, it's a picture, and it looks like nothing. And they say, do you see the old lady or the young lady? And it's like, I, I don't see anything, you know? Or they say, do you see the white dress or the gold dress? I, I don't even see a dress, you know? Or, or Jude, when we lived in Seattle, we're on the, the I-90 going on 405. It's two interstates. He goes, Dad, look, a hawk. And I'm going, where, where? I don't see it. Can I say, without the Holy Spirit, you and I would never discover God. We had to have God become a star leading us, guiding us in Jesus' name. And I just want to say this, before we go to the next one, please hear me when I say this. When God stops, stop. Did you hear what I just said? One of the greatest things, and I am not grateful for uh, COVID and the pandemic and from the variants that come from the Delta variant to the Omicron variant. I'm not because people's lives have been destroyed and affected. And even right now, I'm praying for two people, John and Mike, that are on a ventilator. And I'm praying in miraculously. And I have to tell you, I am believing right now they are being healed and they will live and they will make it. I'm praying, all right? However, I want you to know one of the greatest things that I discovered during this season is to be still and know that he is God. Sometimes I think in our busy lives that we, we have lost the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And to do that, it says that star went ahead of them, that star stopped, and then they saw Jesus. I wonder how many times when the star, the presence of the Holy Spirit stopped and we kept going and we missed the opportunity to see and worship and sacrifice for Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? Now everyone say worship. worship. Say it again. Now, I'm, again, we're telling you the, the pattern or the progression of these wise men and the, or the magi. Number one, they discovered, I want to hang out and worship. Then we're going to go to sacrifice. And how I want to begin to start with this section worship, number one, I want to give you an ingredient because this was their purpose. I want you to go back to the scripture. Now, remember, I have a Bible reading, ribbon, uh, Bible ribbon. And so I could go right back to it. I want you to see this. This is verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2, to do what? And asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Why? We saw a star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Can I tell you the purpose of every person that's ever been born is to worship God. And you're going to begin to see some ingredients in worship, and I am too. It's to bow and it's to sacrifice. What I want to begin to do during this section, I want to begin to tell you a little bit about the Magi or the wise men. And again, it's not three kings from Orient art. There weren't three of them. And I'm going to begin to give you a little bit of history. And we're going to try to base the history not on uh, Wikipedia, but actually on the Bible and biblical history concerning these men. And it was a tribe or a certain sect of men, and they were very, very powerful. When we begin to have pictures of the Magi, we usually have pictures of three guys on a camel with a turban, and they're pretty benign and common. Let me just put the brakes on that right now. Herod the Great 
the king of the Jews, which he had received that title from Rome, he would have never met with them and he wouldn't have publicly become afraid, shaken, terrified, petrified of three guys with turbans on camels uh, with a few little gifts coming for their secret Santa called Jesus. They would not. And it wasn't in Bethlehem. It was in Jerusalem. He would have never, and it says all of Jerusalem became afraid. So who were these men? Now, magi, M-A-G-I, it is connected to the word where we get the English word magic or magician. And this is anything but a magician. Now you see me, now you don't. I mean, they're not guys pulling a rabbit out of a hat. In fact, they were the most educated people of their time. They would have had the highest degree. They wouldn't have just gone to any college. They would have went, it would have been like Harvard, Yale, Oxford in England. It was the highest, most elite education anyone can receive. Now, in the Bible, you'll never know, in the Bible, there's a very famous magi, and he is in captivity. The nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah, the nation of Judah, has gone into Babylonian captivity, and Daniel's name is changed by Nebuchadnezzar, and it says this, that Daniel is amongst the magi, or the wise men. In the magi of that day, they had learning, and so did Daniel. He was skilled in science, in literature, in reading. He would be, today, please get this, these are not common men. These are powerful men. Now, let me just say this. When it says, we three kings, they weren't kings. But you know what they were? And you should think about this. You better write it down. They were king makers. They made kings. They shaped policy. They made laws. In fact, the Magi are mentioned not only in the Babylonian Empire, but also in the Medes in the Persian Empire. And Daniel would become, because he got up, up, up. I love this. Many people get their discovery from their education. Daniel was educated, but he also knew how to get discovery and revelation through prayer in the Holy Spirit and waiting on God. And because he got divine revelation, Nebuchadnezzar said, you're not only going to be a magi, you're going to be the CEO over all the magi. And Daniel would serve in several dynasties, not only of Babylon, but also of the Persian empire. And he ended his service as the top magi or wise men in Cyrus, the king who would rebuild the temple. And Daniel served over 64 years. All right. Now I want to begin to give you some facts, okay, from the Bible about these men. Now get this. You know what's amazing? Have you ever thought, I thought as I read through the Bible. Now this year, read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the Bible. We're going to use the Bible project. Have you ever even looked at the maps in the Bible? Rarely, but a few times I have. And one time I was looking at the map in the Bible, which is in most Bibles, and I'm looking for my maps right now. Maybe this Bible doesn't have a map. And I was looking at the nation of Israel, and I was thinking, God, why didn't you choose America to your son to be born? Why not Europe? Why not Asia? Why did you choose that little strip of land 
And it began, I stepped back and I saw the map. Do you know that little strip of land connected three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe? Now, let me tell you what was to the east of Jerusalem. To the east was a great Persian Empire. To the west was the monolithic Roman Empire. And they would war. In fact, 45 to 60 years before the birth of Christ, they had three major wars. And Antipatus, uh, Herod the Great's dad, was the last battle who beat the Persians. And one of the reasons Herod became the king of the Jews is because he kept peace in Jerusalem. You had Rome to the west, you had Persia, this Persian empire, and these men represented, that east represented the Persian empire. They would come, they shaped laws, they made kings, and everyone knew that when they came, they were there to make a king. These men would have been equivalent to a federal senator or a Supreme Court justice that when they came into a city, it got the entire city's attention. Now when they say we three kings of Orient Art, there wasn't just three, they had an entourage. And this entourage was probably at least a thousand, if not two thousand. They had a military force with weapons. They had chefs, they had scribes, they had servants. So when they came in, it wasn't just three guys with turbans on a camel. They came in with such an entourage. No wonder Herod the Great began to shake, began to get petrified, and all of Jerusalem began to be afraid. And they knew when this delegation came, they were there for one purpose, and that was to coronate a king. And you see, Rome had already given that title to Herod. Why? Because he kept peace. Why? Because he helped rebuild their temple. Why? Because he had built his palace and a theater. Why? Because he had a system for collecting taxes for Rome. And he literally was doing an okay job. However, when these men come, they're saying, we have seen his star and we want to worship the king of the Jews. And it says, then Herod, all of a sudden, he gets afraid and what does he do? He calls for the experts of Israel, the high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. Hey, where is he to be born? Well, the prophets say in Bethlehem and in Judea. And then all of a sudden he calls this great delegation back. When did you see his start that he could begin to calculate the age of this child? Because the song got it wrong. So did the Christmas card. It wasn't in a manger. It's in a house. And he could have been up to two years of age. And can I say when the star stopped, this great delegation came in and what did they do? They bowed down. Can I say I'm not coming to Jesus because I have nothing of value in my life. I saw something greater than my money, my family, and my talents. And it is Jesus Christ, the star maker who would become a man and die on the cross. Come on. Are you with me? And it made me want to bow. It made me want to yield. And can I say right now, the tension in our world is still in one sense, east versus west, north versus south, people against people, family against family. Can I say there's one that was born in a manger, but he didn't stay in a manger. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on. And so when these, this delegation came, guess what? 
We see in Matthew 1, he is definitely from the King David's lineage. But we see God, even in a secular sense, saying, this is the coronation, not only the king of the Jews, but the king of the Gentiles, the king of the earth, the king of heaven. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. Can you give the Lord a shout and a hand clap? Come on. And I love that. Now, I want you to know this. I want you to begin to think about their sacrifice. Now, you could sacrifice and I could sacrifice and not worship. But you will never worship and not sacrifice. And I love what Pastor Mike, we never wear flannel shirts. But today is Christmas. Not Well, it's not Christmas. It's going to be Christmas. It's cold. It feels like Christmas. We're wearing a flannel shirt. Now, get this. You will never worship without sacrifice. We will never worship. Now, get this. Please get this. He shared the story of a woman who gave two mites. And Jesus said she gave more than their all. them all. Why? Because they gave out a surplus or out of abundance. She gave all they had. I want to begin to talk about the sacrifice of these men. All right? Please hear me. And we're going to begin to end really soon. These men gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it wasn't just little. Even today, with the dollar value and inflation going up and down, dollar mostly going down, you know what people are doing? It's all over the news. Hey, are you troubled? Are you insecure about your money and the value of the dollar? Buy gold. Can I say, they didn't just give a few nuggets of gold. They gave him a lot of gold. And you may want to write this down, chat this. You know what gold represents? It's a gift for a king. You know why? Kings had crowns of gold. Kings had a scepter of gold. Often times a king had a throne that was overlaid in gold. This gold was literally saying this is a gift for a king. Can I say right now, King Jesus Christ, he received gold. And don't think that Joseph and Mary and Jesus were poor. Because with that gold, just like today, they were able to go to Egypt and it says, out of Egypt I have called my son for over two years and their way was paid. Why? Because these men Magi, these wise men, this entourage of powerful uh, position came and they gave them of their this treasure. Here is the gold. The next one is frankincense. And frankincense in the Old Testament, you could read it in the Torah, it says incense is only for God. You, they didn't even tell you how to make these incense. And it says don't use it for your common use. It is for God. You know what incense is today? Our praise in our prayers. The Bible says that the prayers of the saints are like incense that come up to God. You may say, I don't have something valuable. You have the greatest, most valuable thing of any human being. It's called breath in your lungs. Use your breath to praise and pray to almighty God. Come on. And I want to say maybe we should pray about it more than we talk about it, pray about it more than we think about it, and let incense arise. Are you with me? So gold is for a king, incense is for God, but you know what myrrh was? That was a special anointing, that was a perfume, and that was for humanity. You know what's amazing about this king? Herod the Great was insane. He killed his own brother-in-law. He killed his children. He was insanely jealous. He hated anyone who tried to against, come against his position. I'm troubled today. 
I am troubled about what I see in our nation. No longer do our politicians even get along. Well, no matter what side they're on, it's like they have a Herod hatred for one another. Can I say, you know where that came from? You know who Herod is? Herod was the Idumean. You know who the Idumeans came from? He was an Edomite. You know who the Edomites are? They came from Esau. And Esau had a bitter resentment and hatred to Jacob throughout the years. And the Bible says that the sins of the fathers will go through the children to the fourth and the third generation. And Herod would come and have that ancient hatred that is still alive in the Middle East today. And it seems like that spirit is coming to the United States of America to destroy our country from within. But I want to say there's one greater than any political party. It is the king of the Jews, the king of America, the king of the world, the king of the earth. Come on. Can you say amen? So I want you to just chat these three words down. We're going to end. I am going to invite the synthesizer player to come up so you'll think I'm ending. I want you to write down just discovery. How did they do it? The star, we saw his star. Please hear me as the holidays where Christmas is upon us. Stop a few times because when the star stops, you should stop and it will guide you right to Jesus and you will worship and you will bow. Then we must worship. What is worshiping? It's bowing. But get this, please. They went prostrate. Why? And these are great men. It would be equivalent to any, can you imagine when she was alive, Ruth Bader Ginsburg bowing to any president. In fact, the Supreme Court justices, when they come into the State of the Union, they supposedly sit there. They don't bow to anyone. These men bow to someone that was greater and eternal. Can I say, when we still ourselves and we see Jesus Christ, we will bow. But get this, they sacrificed. We can sacrifice and not worship, but you will never really worship. You go, I sing, I raise my hand. Well, you can raise your hands to the highest seven. They do that at a Rams game. And come on, they do that at the Lakers game. But you will never, ever worship without sacrificing. And they sacrifice. I, I want to begin to say this to you. People have been very, very gracious to Becky and I throughout the years and financially and Really, I don't know how we would have made it. And I've always tried to remind myself that the church itself was not my source, that God was my source. And that our lives, and usually when you're in the ministry, I want to say, let's take this. A teacher at City Christian School. It's not like their salary is going to be ranked in Fortune 500. But you must know this, that there's something about a sacrifice. I want to share two stories with you as we're going to begin to end discover, worship, sacrifice. And I want you to hear me. Please hear me. Our sacrifice is connected to who we worship or what we worship. But that worship is connected to who we see. If what we're seeing is not great, you will never, ever sacrifice. And so I want to tell you this story. Years ago, the whole team came up. I just called up for the piano player. I got more than I asked for. Amen. Years ago, Jake was about one. He's 28 now. We were making very, very little. We could barely even make it living in Seattle. Microsoft was a booming company. 
every day, people from California were moving in with large amounts of money and houses were being sold, sometimes for double the price. And we were renting a house. And then we were able to get into a house. And it was a miracle, but we had no money. We had no money. They had a great move of God, they had said, in Toronto. And at that point, Becky was still disfluent. She stuttered. And I said, Becky, I think we should go. If This is a move of God. I don't want to be in my 60s, which I am now, and regret that we didn't go. And she said, babe, we, we don't have any finances, and we didn't have credit cards. We didn't have the visa. We didn't have a MasterCard. And it says, well, in faith, book two tickets from Seattle to Toronto. And she would buy, she put it, she didn't buy it, she put them on hold, two tickets, round trip for $500. $500 for some in this room today or online may not seem like anything. For us, it was everything. We didn't have any money at all. Six months before that, I went to Whitefish, Montana, Kalispell, Montana, to do a regional winter retreat for many churches from the Assembly of God, Foursquare, and Independent. Our youth ministry was failing. It was pathetic. And I remember being on the plane saying, what do I have to say to these people? I have nothing to say. And I started crying. And I went to this little room in a dilapidated retreat center, and it's freezing, and it's snowing, and it's Kalispell, it's white fish, and it's winter. And I knelt down, and I said, God, I have nothing to say. He said, you get up right now. I have given you something to say, and you will say what I put on your heart. And we would go, and we would do that, and there would be a move of God, I promise you. Six months later, it's the day we have to tell them the check is in the mail. But we don't have any money. A letter comes from a 16-year-old boy. Not, e not even my last name, just Pastor Jude. Well, Pastor's my first name, Jude's my last name. <laughs> and I kid you not, I open it up, it has a money order. And I looked at it quickly and I thought, oh, $5. That's cool. And he said this, he said, Pastor Jude, you came and spoke out at retreat in Whitefish, Montana. And my life was changed forever. I work three jobs after school. My parents do not go to church. They're not believers. They have not asked me to do this. But when you were preaching, my life was so transformed. God had put it on my mind and heart to give you $500. He said it was so hard for me to release that $500, but each day it would come back to me. And he says, I finally have obeyed God. Here is the 500 
dollars. Little did he know that that sacrifice that God had put on his heart during a time of worship would change Jude and Becky and our family's lives forever. That it was not only for the immediate, it reached deep into our future and she would be healed of stuttering. And literally it was in those meetings that I had an encounter with God. And in one year we would come back and a failing miserable youth ministry would turn into a national global youth ministry. Why? Because some Someone was willing to make a sacrifice. Come on. That is the power of the Magi. That is the power of the Magi. You may not have the position you think you deserve. You may not have the education that you initially wanted, but you have a position right now to enter the cycle of these wise men. That is to discover who Jesus Christ is, begin to worship it. My God, sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Come on. And if you don't mind... I want to give you just one quick story, and this will be only 90 seconds. Time me. Get the watches out. Come on, online. Again, people have been generous. A week and a half ago, someone who's like family to us came and said, can we come over to your house? And I said, sure. He said, we have a gift. I thought, oh, God, I bet it's going to be candy. <laughs> people bring, you know, fruitcake, candy, and things they've made. And so they come, and they're standing. And he said, God spoke to us during a time of worship, separately than together. We are to bless you personally. And I'm looking, and I thought, well, I don't see the candy box in their hand. Or sometimes people will give me clothes from a deceased grandfather. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you. That's happened. There are times the desk in my office in Seattle, suits, shirts, and shoes were all from deceased relatives. And it's like, God almighty. And they gave us a check that was so staggering. I literally said, no, I, I can't take this. I need to give you a gift. And I've been thinking on these words, and I felt like God said, they are modern-day magi. They've discovered me and are being led by me, and they're worshiping me, and I'm using them to coronate a new season in your life that you will know that promotion or position does not come from earth and men, but it comes from me. This isn't from them. This is from me. And I'm telling you, I have not been able to drop to my knees. Can I tell you, if you have to have a forklift to lift up your hand, you may not have seen the God of heaven and earth. I have seen his star. You said, where is it? In my life. When it stops, I want to stop. When it moves, I want to move. When it goes, I want to go. I want to worship. I want to sacrifice. Why? Because he made the greatest sacrifice. Come on. And how does Jesus die? They have a woman who anoints him, myrrh. How does he die? Here, Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to take your life? He says, no one has that power. 
And what did Herod write on the cross? In Greek, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, the king of the Jews. The ruling class of Israel said, no, 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 take that off. Say he said he was a king of the Jews. Pilate says, I have written what I have written. Can I say in Isaiah 60, it says when the king of the Jews comes back, the Messiah, they don't mention myrrh. Why? Because myrrh is from men, fallen man. Jesus Christ became sin. You know what it mentions? He will come back with gold and he will come back with frankincense. Why? Because humanity will be rid of that which destroys us. We seek the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you say amen? Will you stand up? R.C., come and take this away. Amen. How many of you want to discover, discover Christ in this season? All right, I'm going to say something that's on a coffee cup. <laughs> One hand went up. Okay, I think I will. One little hand emoji on chat. You know the coffee cup? You pull it out during Christmas. We used to have it. I think it broke. Wise men still seek Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Herod said, go and carefully search for him and then come back and tell me where you found him. There's one thing that you can't get your wife to do, your husband to do, or someone else to do for you. That is to discover Jesus, worship him, and sacrifice for him. Can I say there's no such thing as secondhand worship and sacrifice. Are you with me? They, they sacrifice, they worship. And so I just wanna pray right now, you never regret sacrifice. And you know what? God has sacrificed everything for you. And by that sacrifice, guess what he did? The day you were born, he crowned you and said, she's mine. And she has royalty on her and in her. And you know what he did? He did not, and yeah, Jesus, for the, what did he see? You, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, that great sacrifice that you would be elevated. That's our God. Can I say we should have exceeding great joy because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we come. And like the Magi of all, God, we stop where your star stops. And God, what we're seeing and discovering is you, Jesus. All along, it's you, good, gracious, kind Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, becoming a baby, and that baby growing to be in adulthood, to go to a cross and sacrifice for us that we would be new people, priests and kings, in your name, amen. Every head bowed, in just a moment, I want to give an altar call. And what I'm asking is, will you be willing to sacrifice in your worship? You attend church online or here. Are you willing to bow, which means you lay it all down? Would you be willing to sacrifice your life for him? Literally saying, God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. And really, that's making Jesus Christ number one. If that's you on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And you're going to, that's the first step. So on three, one. And again, on three, you'll raise your hand. God, I, I want a sacrifice. I want you to change my life. God wants to coronate a new life for you where the old will be gone, the addiction can be broken, and you can become a new person. Two, on three, you're going to raise your hand. Three, right now. 
Right now, if you want to do that right here, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Just keep your hand raised. Thank you, ma'am. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Right. Everyone pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you. You have sacrificed your life that I could truly worship you. And I receive right now a coronation of a new life. I am going to be the head. I am not going to be the tail. I'm going to go over. I am not going to go under. God is for me. He is not against me. I am forgiven. I'm empowered. And I'm being led by Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.